0: Welcome to issue 35 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plots to shape humanity and benefit the planet. As well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and joining me tonight is Mike. Mike, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you, Steve?
0: I'm doing well, I'm doing well. And... Our champion for the night, Daniel. How's it going, Daniel? <laughs> champion for the
2: night. That's about all I can really ask for. Um, I'm great. I'm wonderful. Mike, I want to quickly uh, take an opportunity here to thank you for once again setting up a delightful con on the League of Cooperative Gaming uh, Discord channel. The- oh, that was so much fun. Con of the Rings was great.
0: Yep. Had a great time. Played lots of Lord of the Rings, but no Marvel. That's okay. No No Marvel because that wasn't what it was about. But
2: That's right. here you are, and you're worth celebrating, Mike. So thank you.
0: Oh, thanks, guys. Unfortunately, Mustafa can't be with us tonight. Uh, but we're going to try to tune in to him in his secret lair through one of our spy satellites. Let's see. Nope. Wait a minute. Almost got him. There he is.
2: They that have power to hurt and will do none, that do not do the thing they most do show, who, moving others, are themselves as stone, unmoved, cold, and to temptation slow. They rightly do inherit heaven's graces and husband nature's riches from expense. They are the lords and owners of their faces, others but stewards of their excellence. The summer's flower is to the summer sweet, though to itself it only live and die. But if that flower with base infection meet, the basest weed outbraves his dignity. For the sweetest things turn sourest by their deeds. Lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. That was Sonnet 94 by Shakespeare. So, Steve, you call me a champion for the night. What, what does that even mean? What are you talking
0: about? Oh, Marvel Champions, uh, the card game, right? Yeah, but what, what makes me a champion? I don't understand. Well, tonight you're going to tell us all about Norman Osborn as we take a look at oh. some risky business adventuring.
2: I mean, this has been a long time coming, has it not?
0: Yeah, this is our first villain pack that we got, I don't know, a very long time ago. Very long time ago. Long time ago.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, things have come up and uh, we have put Norman Osborn on uh,
0: kind of the back burner for a while. I, think I don't he's, think he's happy with us about it either.
2: It turns out he's not a happy man, Steve. Huh. Don't Why don't you tell us all about him? You know, so I will. So Norman Osborn. Well, I think it's fair to say that he is Marvel's most famous villain. Now, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but like, I mean, like before all the movies and the stuff like that, He was the only one that I would have been able to name, like me personally, that's for sure. He got a start in 1964, which I feel like is a year that almost everyone we talk about, they started around then,
0: right? Yeah, if if they're a Spider-Man villain, they've been around a long, long time.
2: Yeah, it's 64. And uh, and the number of issues and exploits centered around or in some way concerning Osborn, well, that would take me hours to outline so i thought i would take a slightly different approach to this discussion in his origin story than we've done in previous issues i actually want to focus the lens on what i think defines and determines osborne's actions more than anything while also being the best window into who he is as a person his profoundly sad profoundly disturbing history of mental illness now in the comics Osborn's chief concerns center largely around chaos and destruction and making sure that Spider-Man is screwed with and destroyed. But it wasn't always this way. And, and the fact that it is now is not entirely his fault, but rather relates more to that kind of all-too-common meeting point of ambition and mistreatment. So, you know, villains, Mike, Steve, I don't know if you guys know this, but villains aren't born. They're made. And I think that's definitely true, Norman Osborn.
0: Mm-hmm. You've never met my children. <laughs> which you made which you made i love mike yeah yes that's right oh i guess but they were born that way i think i don't know well that
2: that's going to send us down a whole like another yeah, yeah well, rabbit hole. so let me give you just a brief bio a little bit before i talk more about sort of the the neurochemical makeup of mr os if you will so he's the son of a once wealthy businessman who watched his endeavors turn to dust and impoverish him. So the bitterness of this led Osborne's dad to drink and then ultimately to abuse. And uh, Norman used this to fuel that time-honored desire that some sons have to be nothing like and much better than their fathers. He went to school. He's a genius, like all of our villains, right? They're all geniuses, mm-hmm. right? You can't really be a villain and be dumb unless you're, well, Rhino, right? Right. Um, so... So he founds this company, and, and all was good, and then the demons settled in. Those first seeds of paranoia and doubt that would soon come to full fruition after a horrible accident. So he originally got into business with a partner. Um, you guys know his name? I do not. Me neither. I was hoping you did. Oh, wow. I think it's something from, or Strom, Strom. That's what it was. Um, so, But he begins to doubt his partner, or he pretends to doubt him anyway. And um, he ousts him from the company, gets him arrested, accuses him of fraud and embezzlement and those types of things. And he ends up stumbling on an experiment that his partner was working on. Uh, they had founded a chemical company, by the way. Osborne starts to like tinker with like this weird serum or something, kind of a super serum that his, his partner was working on. And it turns green all of a sudden, just before it kind of blows up in Osborne's face. So the result? Well... Superhuman strength, stamina, senses, and all that standard issue stuff, plus an absolutely debilitating series of mental health crises, funneling into uncheckable psychosis, multiple personality disorder, and narcissism. And it's from this moment that Osborne's kind of alter ego emerges on the scene, hell bent on chaos and death. Now you guys got any questions so far? Any anything on your mind? Seems pretty terrible for uh, Norman. I, I think so. I think so. So I see his alter ego and, and Osborne is more of like kind of a, his alter ego is more of like a Mr. Hyde to Osborne's uh, kind of too troubled Dr. Jekyll. Not like he's like a license for madness, but is rather Osborne's mental, mental instability kind of made flesh. Two, these two sides are somewhat opposed to each other as well. His alter ego looks down on Osborne's weaknesses, like, for example, his love for his son. And the Oz- and and Osborne half struggles to maintain any kind of control over this alter ego, which is actually like kind of an incurable malady for Osborne, uh, and one that will ultimately kill him because he ends up impaled on his own glider after murdering Peter Parker's girlfriend, and that that's a story that we'll get into a, uh, in our next issue, I believe. Spoiler alert! Spoiler mm-hmm. alert! Right? Bro, Forty um, years ago. So, yeah, right. Um, but that that last part, like the thing about spider-man that that is sort of like the thing we know osborne most for is is sort of his relationship to spider-man it's the most profound and compelling part of osborne's story but the history is it's so vast so wild that it's almost impossible to outline here in the limited space see osborne possesses a slew of other identities well they're all bad of course but like like i said earlier like trying to just sort of there's just no real way to in a short amount of time encapsulate all that he's done in the comics in 64.
1: So other identities, he said, what he's got oh, other he's, identities. Yeah. There's all
2: sorts of, there's like seven of them. And I, I didn't jot them down because I knew I wasn't going to go that route sort of Um, in talking about Osborne. I wanted really just to focus more on sort of the, the problems that actually kind of created him and defined him and, and look, and, and what makes him sympathetic in my mind is that much of what he is is outside of his control as mel- mental illness is for a lot of people right so i wonder what he could have been his origin story is common enough in a lot of ways i think we've even seen it before in other other villains you know daddy issues to a kind of a powerful driving ambition that turns those demons loose inside him but he was a man consumed by passions and neuroses that he simply couldn't control though flashes of goodness sometimes came through which we might talk about in our next issue we really just see the criminal mastermind the the megalomaniacal villain carving a path of destruction through new york and peter parker's life and maybe he isn't really anything more than that but i'd like to think that he is i know that this kind of differed from our usual order of business here and maybe that was risky of me but I want to do I want to do kind of more of a character study um than a synopsis of the stories because I think we can leave that for another time and just I also think that if we focus on the 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 mental illness that that defines Osborne it might give us a little more context into the cards that we're about to cover tonight because madness is really the focus the thematic focus in the heart of The Risky Business encounter set would you agree
1: i mean yeah yeah i i would say it's a defining card by name
0: i think the interesting thing too about osborne is unlike some of our villains he does have that alter ego right there's that other side of him but then there's just norman osborne businessman he doesn't have mystical powers or you know gamma radiation when he's norman osborne he's running his business he's a father he He's all these other things than this straight up classic supervillain and yeah. smashing, breaking and taking stuff kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. It's in the it's yeah. in those moments of the like, that's where his humanity kind of comes out. And he's still troubled and he's still, you know, he still hurts people as Osborn. And he's still, you know, even as Osborn has his conflict with Peter Parker and those types of things. But he's capable of a wider range of emotion and thought, I think. Yeah. And yeah. that's what makes Norman Osborn a really interesting character to me. He's not; he's just not a cutout.
1: He's very close to a lot of the superheroes, right? That he has his—he does have his alter ego and his his villain side. And like to the point where I was reading a comic where he started to switch, and so we opened up like a hidden compartment in his trunk and pulled out his suit and glider. Like that's what the heroes do. It's, it's right, neat. right. It's neat to see yeah. the other side of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I think the developers did a great job honing in on that, right? because when we go up against the risky business set we're going up against Norman Osborne yeah you know yeah
2: and and we are dealing we're kind of uh, as heroes you know you're dealing with the same vagaries of his madness that he is right he is in that game he is also not in control of when he flips to madness right like, yeah. and um yeah. just like in the stories he is he is subservient to those those things that yeah, are it's really the
0: it, in the in the set here coming up it's really the heroes who determine what form mr osborne takes that's right uh, and, and they prompt him or push him over the edge either either direction so it's really kind of their fault if they have to you know they're sitting oh, totally. down at the board table or if they're out in the streets <laughs> in the middle of the night so i blame the heroes
1: yeah, for for doing what? For he's trying to merge a company. He's trying to take over Stark Enterprises in a legal acquisition.
0: Right, right. and you. is that so wrong? Really, he's looking out for the welfare of his shareholders, his employees, those sort of things. Yeah, maybe we should uh, take a look at his key cards in this set. Let's take a look at this. Do you, Do you want to start with um, Criminal Enterprise instead of Norman? Yeah, that, that makes some sense.
2: All right, so. Why don't I start there? So, Criminal Enterprise is an environment card, and was this the? F- this is not the first environment card that we all saw in this game, right?
0: No, we had Ultron's first. Yep. Right. Right. Criminal Enterprise enters play
2: with two infamy counters on it, two per player, um, infamy counters. And if there are no infamy counters here, flip Norman Osborn and Criminal Enterprise with flavor text, of course. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Business is good.
2: <laughs> so this idea of infamy versus madness is going to be the currency that kind of moves Norman from his Norman state to his alter ego. So maybe I guess Steve you should you should go right into state of madness?
0: Sure, state of madness is the flip side of criminal enterprise. Also an environment card. State of madness enters play with two madness counters on it per player, and if there are no madness counters on it, flip Norman osborne's alter ego and the state of madness and the quote on there says fool your power is nothing compared to mine your strength is nothing your intellect is nothing which is something
2: that Norman osborne also believes about himself you know
0: so that that part
2: carries through between him and his alter ego i think he's got a certain narcissistic uh egomania that drives him so yeah so th- th- that's that's the whole game when you're playing risky business is the flip between these two
0: right when norman runs out of infamy counters he's going to flip over to the state of madness and when the state of madness <clears throat> runs out of madness or the madness subsides he's going to flip back to the other side
2: yeah and so when he's one thing you can't hit him for damage you take his infamy away and he's the other thing you can't take his infamy away you hit him for damage and but ultimately to win the scenario is to take out his alter ego, so that's sort of the tension of the scenario. So, Mike, why don't you tell us about the three Norman Osbornes that we're looking at? Oh,
1: Norman Osborn, level one. He's a villain with two scheme. Star attack. He's a businessman and a genius. I like that. I want to see my businessman deck. Star <laughs> is a forced interrupt. When Norman Osborn would attack, place one infamy counter on Criminal Enterprise instead so he doesn't attack you. Great. Awesome. The force interrupts when Norman Osborne would take any amount of damage, remove that many Infamy counters from Criminal Enterprise instead. Mm. Hit points is 14 per player. So, like you said, the, the heroes are just, they're the instigators. They're just, they're poking at him. They're poking at him like a younger brother. Just, hey, come on, come on, <laughs> stop touching me, stop touching me. And then he freaks. Then he freaks. He freaks. Norman Osborne, level two, also has two scheme. Also has Star Attack. He is still a businessman and a genius. Force Interrupt Here's the change when Norman Osborne would attack, place two Infamy Counters on Criminal Enterprise instead. With the same Force Interrupt, when he takes any amount of damage, remove that many Infamy Counters from Criminal Enterprise instead. He has gained four extra hit points per player.
2: I wonder if we can guess what level three
1: he does. Mm. Well, his scheme has <laughs> increased to three. His attack is still a star. When Norman Osborne would attack, place three enemy counters on Criminal Enterprise instead. With the same force, interrupt, and he has a whole twenty-two hit points per player. That a That's lot. a lot of health. It that is, is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of health that uh, you can't touch on this side. No one punches a businessman. No one punches a legitimate businessman. <laughs> True, I guess.
2: <laughs> that is absolutely right. So, what do you make of uh, Norman Osborne's? card his persona here in the game guys would does it
1: capture it uh, he he always kind of seems like that guy locked away in the tower like some of those old movies with the big mafia don in the tower that nobody yep. can touch Yep, yep very much like that so I do like that you can't attack him and his scheming certainly keys into his genius reputation and he is if you're a hero and you're busy doing your hero stuff he is busy scheming and doing his own little infamy stuff so I think that works quite well I see what you mean about the gaming, the system, though, and that you could theoretically just let him keep placing infamy counters on there while you uh, while your heroes load up with their their toys.
0: Right.
2: And that that was like the thing that players figured out right away. Right. was
0: right. Flip the hero form and just sort of sit there. uh, Yeah.
2: And he's just going to add some infamy tokens that you can pretty easily wipe out with a punch.
1: Right. I was gonna say, yeah. Like as Norman Osborne attacks, he puts a set number of infamy counters on. You take right. away as many as you can blow away in a punch. So you can you can gamma slam fourteen of them off him.
2: I, I kind of wish that his attack still had a boost card to it. So like level one, he puts one infamy plus the boost.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yep.
2: That would that would have changed some things a little bit. I think.
0: Yeah, I think that or um, when Norman Osborne would attack, place you know. X infamy counters on criminal enterprise and X threat on the main scheme. Yes. You're not busy fighting him. You're letting him sit up in his tower, do his stuff so he's off there scheming while you're while you're busy, you know, running around. Okay, so Daniel, why don't you tell us all about Norman Osborne's alter ego?
2: Mm, Okay, okay. It'll make it'll make those environment cards make a little more sense, I imagine, huh? Yes. So the level one version is uh, a star scheme, a three attack. Oh, villain traded, I should have said. Or not traded, but villain. It's a villain card. Three attack. Uh, when revealed, deal three indirect damage to each player in hero form. Force interrupt. When he would scheme, remove a madness counter from State of Madness instead. So he's essentially what? The exact opposite, yeah? Of Norman Asper. Yes. Also... It's it's interesting note, he loses the traits of businessman and genius.
1: Oh, he's not a genius. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess he's, not he's, a genius. he's too insane at this point. Too insane. Can't do
2: business, you know? Yep. And so, like with Norman Osborn's I- increasing uh, levels, his alter ego does that as well. So the level two, you know, maintains everything, but goes for indirect damage to each player, um, not each player in hero form so that level two is serious um also has attack four and again when when you would scheme you remove a madness counter from state of madness and then level three um also for attack also for damage to each player and the fourth interrupt here is when you would scheme you remove two madness counters from state of madness instead so that's the thing that goes up between levels two and three
0: and there's a little bit of difference there. Level two, it's indirect damage, and level three, it's oh, yes, Thank straight you. up damage. So oh, your allies right. can no longer defend for you against that damage. That's right. Yeah, you got to man up and take it,
2: mm. or woman up and take it. Since a good number of our heroes,
0: right? Yes, that's true. That's true. It's <laughs> trying to put the heroes down. That's all. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that well, part I imagine, the... you'll edit out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, what i do like about the level one version is that you will never whiff on all players because in order for osborne to flip someone has to have been in hero form to deal the damage to cause it to flip
0: oh good So the yeah. level
1: one version will always hit at least one player
0: yeah it's another opportunity for a multiplayer table to like game the system okay wait wait let's all let's all slink back to our apartments and hide out while somebody else you know she hulk
1: she hulk takes... takes the hit right yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, causes them to flip. You're going to take that damage, which can be pretty potent if you do it uh, at an inopportune time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially later levels, four damage is no joke. And then that state of madness, those counters on there can tick off pretty quickly. I think that this side, his alter ego side, you have more of a chance of being attacked and having the scheme go off. Because you want to stay in hero form to do damage so you can win. So you're taking damage back as you get attacked and then you have to flip to recover maybe. So then he gets the scheme pulling counters off the state of madness, flipping back to Osborne's normal side, Mm -hmm. forcing you to deal with criminal enterprise, forcing you to make him flip again. So you take that indirect damage. I mean, if you don't time it right or you're new to it, it can, there can be a little chain of punishing damage. Yeah. If you don't, you know, know what's going on, and that's always fun. I think to to do for you know a new player the first time and just just see that sort of work.
1: Yeah, you bask in the in your friend's
0: misery.
2: And you were busy making a perfect segue, Steve. What is his main scheme?
0: Okay, his main scheme is one a hostile takeover.
1: Oh uh, no no no! This is legal acquisition. Perfectly legal acquisition.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: uh, yeah. Why yeah. did the designers misname this card?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, because anything, anytime anyone does anything against Tony Stark, it's got to be bad.
2: Ugh, God.
0: Okay, so All we're right. gonna play Norman Osborn one and two in standard, two and three in expert. We're gonna play with the risky business set and the standard set, and one modular encounter set. And they recommend the Goblin Gimmicks set.
2: Well, that's gonna be a fun issue too, guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk goblins and gimmicks and tricks and treats right around Halloween, I think.
2: I think there's a, there's a time for that, isn't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to put the Criminal Enterprise environment into play right at the beginning, and we're going to shuffle the encounter deck and go right on to stage 1B, which has seven threat per player on it. When completed, place one Infamy Counter per player on Criminal Enterprise, then discard one card from each player's deck for each Infamy Counter on Criminal Enterprise. It starts with two threat per player, goes up by one threat per player, and has the quote, Norman Osborn holds a board meeting, plotting to take over a branch of Stark Industries.
1: Mm. Hey, what if uh, what if every time he added Infamy Counters, you discarded cards from your deck equal the number of Infamy Counters, or his deck?
0: Yep, mm-hmm. then you're, you're hustling towards
1: those... Acceleration tokens that we love. Yeah,
0: yep. So, I like this
2: one. I can't remember in the core set, were there... Were there schemes that started with threat
0: on them?
1: I thought there was one. Was I wrong on that?
0: Main scheme. No, not even Ultrons. Yeah. I love that this is
2: a main scheme that could start out with eight threat on it. Like just give them a little something, something. I mean, really, that's just so the players have something to do ultimately. But I do like this. Right, a justice player, justice player (laughs) has something to
0: do early on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Place one per infamy counters in criminal enterprise. All
1: right. So, Sorry, I, I love the flavor text on this. I mean, what is his big scheme? Norman Osborne is holding a business meeting, folks.
0: Yeah, a board meeting. Get him.
1: <laughs>
0: Here's my question. I played this scenario many times when it, you know when we first got it, new scenario. I didn't even know there was a second main scheme.
2: You know, I was going to ask you guys that exact same <laughs> question. Like, have you ever seen corporate acquisition? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> right and so what what could make this first scheme harder I mean expert expert kind of does it but
0: yeah you need to be accelerating the encounter deck or putting more threat on this somehow right. worked into the infamy counters I think which gives yeah. the heroes less time to sit back and turtle and build up they gotta yeah. they gotta push they gotta they gotta yeah. push Norman then they gotta get Norman to, to flip they gotta you know they gotta trigger him
2: Yeah, the relationship between Norman Osborn and this scheme has to be a little more rich, I think. Yeah,
0: and maybe the 7 per
1: player could be a little lower, too. That's quite high.
2: That is pretty high.
1: The second one is 10 per player. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah,
2: Yeah, since him putting infamy counters on himself has nothing to do with the main scheme, just as hero single-handedly can kind of negate the growing threat here. Yeah. Right, so...
0: I mean, even someone like Thor, who doesn't thwart a great deal, but once he hit, he flips into hero mode. He can do it nine, you know, nine realms, pull some threat off there, and he could just sit in hero mode doing whatever he wants until the threat starts to, you know, tick up one by one mm-hmm. by one. So,
2: so broadly speaking, what do infamy tokens do other than make you just take a little longer to flip? Norman, they don't do anything else, right? do they do they
1: have any other there's a couple of cards that key off them so it does somewhat punish you for letting them build up but there's not enough punishment to really
2: right yeah hmm. well mike can you tell us about let's let's imagine uh, a beautiful day where our heroes confront corporate acquisition Can you tell us about that
1: oh i know i know hey the next scheme corporate acquisition is happening. With a branch of Stark Industries (laughs) under his control, Norman Osborn will gain access to deadly technologies and quadruple the manufacturing capabilities of Oscorp. Okay, if he has access to deadly technologies, isn't that Stark's fault for making deadly technologies? Yes. And God forbid he quadruple his manufacturing capabilities. Yeah, he just wants to put people to work. Yeah.
2: Heaven forbid, Mike. What happens if Norman Osborn succeeds? Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Happiness, everyone's at work. No more crime. Oh, good. Okay. When revealed, advances states 2B. 2B, <laughs> <laughs> main scheme. If Norman Osborne succeeds, hey, I got you. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I can catch up you. <laughs> if Norman Osborne succeeds, nothing will stand in the way of his technological domination. Not world domination. Technological domination. You got to leave that for the Starks. So if, they, if the stage is completed, the players lose the game. Now, this one also starts with one threat per player. Goes up by two per player. That's, goes up
2: faster, yeah. okay, That's interesting.
1: I do like that. Yep. But ten per player? Ten per player, right? Before you fail this. But it does also add an additional card during the villain phase. It's a hazard. A hazard. I do like the two per player. Wow. You, you never get here.
2: You never get here. <laughs> I actually couldn't tell you how hard this is to deal with. I don't think. No. Yeah, you know, like.
1: Maybe we should start here. Start
0: on this scheme. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. That'd be an option. I know that we've heard Michael Boggs, who was the designer of this, comment how he would have liked to go back and adjust it a little bit to make it a little more difficult, um, that he had knocked the whole thing down slightly after – you know, feedback from play testers and that sort sure. of thing. Yeah, uh, He said that when he was on our show. Yeah. Uh, I think yep. Daniel, you put him right on the spot uh, and interrogated him and he, you know, he fessed up. So
2: uh, I'm pretty sure it was Mustafa that put him on the spot, but if anyone's going to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I must be yeah. re- remembering incorrectly.
2: Yeah. I, I suspect it was. him. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing. I, I, love 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 the idea behind the scenario.
0: Yes, me too. I just so love
2: this story-wise and conceptually and and it's so close to hitting it, you know. And and it was at a part in the game where we 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 needed something really different and it was that. I think it like it showed off kind of what this game can do, how open the design possibilities are. And then it kind of just sort of whiffed, you know? Um,
0: but it's still fun to play. I still actually enjoy it. Yeah, this I was going to say, I found that it's fun to play. Yeah, if you
1: play it straight up, it's fun. Like if you don't try to cheat it.
0: Yes. um It can also be fun to like show somebody the game because you can buy some time, let them figure out how their deck works, where you are gaming the mm-hmm. system a little bit. And then they can really feel like, oh, yeah, oh now I'm built. Let's, you know, let's knock them down. Yeah. So th- it does have that uh, mm-hmm. quality.
2: And, I, and I've showed this to new players for, for the opposite reason of that as well. Like where, you know, I'll let them decide that flipping Osborne is really urgent. like Because clearly that's what we're supposed to do, right? Like story-wise, like that's the point. Like you're supposed to hit this guy, get him to his alter ego and drop that thing down because it's the only way you win, right? And so new players maybe don't see sort of like the blind spot of the scenario in certain ways.
0: Yeah, so, playing it playing it blind was a lot of fun the first time through.
2: Yeah, because you're like, I'm sure there's stuff in the encounter deck that's gonna just like we've got to deal with this, and uh, you know, I, and I like that there's a thing other than threat to think about, but you don't have to worry about it. You just have to think about it, and and that to me is sort of like the the hiccup of the scenario design.
0: Well, do we have anything else to say about the key cards? We've talked about Norman Osmond his main schemes and the environment. I think we've discussed the primary stuff and then, uh, we'll come back in risky business part two and
1: discuss the rest of the cards in the set. Mm -hmm.
2: There does seem to be more to this story. Well, Mike, where can these good people find us?
1: If you want to reach us, perhaps you'd like to share your insidious sourdough recipes. Our email address is critical (laughs) encounters pod at gmail.com. We are critical encounters on Facebook. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Bigfoam Loaf, and Wandering Took. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Daniel, take it away. My name's Norman Hoskell.
2: This is my office you trashed, and my people you smacked around. Would you like to have a drink and talk about it?